I took the initiative today to uh, make sure I'm sharing my sound before I say that I'm going to play the theme song. By the t- so by the time I play the theme song, it's actually going to play on air, which is new. Okay. Don't All right. Play. We never talk about the bass line. The Rage Against the Machine, Machine bass line or um, rhythm section. Incredibly underrated yeah. rhythm section. Yeah, one of the best. Are For they all sure. the same? They're all the same guys, except it's like instead of Zach De La Roca, it's Chris Cornell. Chris Cornell. Yeah. That's my but, understanding of it. Yeah. Oh, really? I know well, the bassist, that would be the right understanding. Isn't the yeah, bassist like entire. Right. <laughs> yeah, he's got like a t-shirt of tattoos. Yeah, yeah. He has like a t-shirt. <laughs> it goes yeah. up to like, like mid, mid biceps. Yeah. Yeah. It's aggressive. His, ta- it's aggressive tat work. It is. Really his name is, is uh Tim Comerford, right? And then Brad Wilk is the drummer. Yeah, Brad Wilk is great. I would do like I mean, I, I could talk about them forever because when I was growing up, yeah, I think we've talked about this, but like one of the first bands I remember really loving was Audio Slave. And I had a couple buddies of mine and we covered some Audio Slave songs. And I just liked Tom Morello's. He was such a riff monster. Like he just had so many great riffs and I love his sound. But then like when it came to the guitar solo, he just would go off onto like planet, you know, whatever the hell. And you'd be like, well, sometimes you like it and then other times you don't. Remember when we played it for Denise last week? She was a little like, what the hell am I listening she, to? I mean, but my brother and I used to crush Audio Slave, so she knows that song for sure. Oh, okay. Uh, but yeah, no, I had the same exact thing. I just had so much respect for Tom when I was younger, mainly because of what you're saying. Because that was right when I was learning how to play guitar, when I started to get into Rage and uh, way too young to get into Rage Against Machine also. but And then getting into Audio Slave at the same time. And just like the crazy sounds he made were so cool. But now looking back, I as you're saying, I don't really care for those guitar solos anymore, but I have so much respect for him in those just the riffs and the verses and the choruses and the stuff he would do with the riffage. And I mean, I feel like a lot of times that I think we're, we're veering into them Crooked Vultures territory too about riffing. And I feel mm-hmm. like a lot of that comes from the bass player a lot of times, right? Like mm-hmm. I feel like John Paul Jones was the driving force behind a lot of the sick riffs on the them Crooked Vulture stuff. And I feel like Tim Comerford probably has a large part to play within the riffs on the Audio Slave and Rage. Maybe. That's so funny that you were just saying that because I feel like the bass work in Rage is like John Paul Jones's bass work in Zeppelin because he's so often following uh jimmy page's riffs like exactly and they're insanely hard riffs and he's playing them on bass perfectly at the same time and it's like very cool well i always think about that because i mean jake you're a guitar player right like you know i feel like there is that symbiosis between guitarists and bassists they kind of understand each other's instruments and so you can have whatever type of relationship you want with your guitar player with your bass player because there's like a mutual understanding of how that instrument works and so, I mean, I know that you've been tapped to like play bass in bands and stuff, even though you're a guitar player. And so I feel like John Paul Jones, right? You put a guitar in his hand. He probably knows his way around it. A lot of these I mean, guys who play bass, like they can play guitar and, you know, vice versa. I would I would venture to guess that 60% of 70% of bass players are guitar players in bands. <laughs> I'm not, I don't even, I'm not even think I'm telling a joke there. I, I think yeah. it's probably nah. because when wow. you listen to me, when you listen to bands, you can tell when the bass player is a bass player. Like if you listen mm-hmm. to the Smiths, you can tell that guy knows how to play the fucking bass, right? If, <laughs> as meanwhile, if you listen to like All Time Low, you're like, that guy's a guitar player. 
Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? You can definitely, you can, you can clearly tell. And it stands out when you actually have a band who has a real bassist. Right. Which I feel right. like we're losing. I'd go off a rant about this, but I feel like <laughs> in the, in the 2000s like when emo and, and post or pop punk and stuff were getting popular, that's when we really lost the bass player and bass players just started playing the root notes of what the guitar player was playing. And mm-hmm. we lost a lot of the art behind it, but I feel like it's coming back a lot now, which I'm really excited about. Cause I've been hearing like, especially in the, oh, I'm like out of breath talking about this. Uh, even like bands like do nothing and the postponed and Fontaine's and all that stuff. They, they treat the bass as its mm. own instrument, which I always have a ton of respect for. Anybody who's listened to this, ep- these, you know, these podcasts, um, they knows, they know we've talked about do nothing in the past uh, yeah. and how much we love that band but yeah i think it's interesting do you think that like post punk or not post punk again I'm, I'm mixing up genres you're better at it than i am but like early 2000s pop punk music do you think that that music in like distilling it down to like simple power chords and you know like a very um patchy but like simplistic musical structure like i'm thinking of bands like blue 82 sub 41 simple plan that kind of thing that is where that kind of came into play. It was like musically, the type of rock music that was popular was like simple. And so there was not as much virtuoso displayed by bassists. Is that where you kind of feel like that? I certainly think so. I also think that there was a switch into, maybe not a switch because it's always been important, but I think especially with bands like Nirvana is probably when it first started was when Mm -hmm. they shifted a lot more of the art and emotion to the vocalist. So that's emo music is all about writing very like confessional lyrics and really like bearing your heart out. And also what they were doing, Taking Back Sunday is kind of the band who started it, but they would have two different singers singing different things, different words and different melodies at the same time, which didn't really happen that much before. So they kind of moved the emotional aspect and the complexity away from the instrumentation into the vocals a little bit. And I feel like we're maybe switching back to having some more impressive musicianship. But again, there's so much going on right now in music that it's hard to it's hard to tell. Jake, I would love it if for five minutes, not even five minutes, but two minutes, you could just tell us what you thought of the Grammys last night. Just quick speed round. Uh, Harry's House should not have won the album of the year. That was a complete <laughs> joke to me. The, the Beyonce stuff, cool. That's fine with me. I wasn't fired up about too much about it. I think it would have been cool if Bad Bunny won record of the or album of the year um but he's owned by spotify so like i think that they wanted to like stay in their lane grammys wanted to stay in their lane and not give it to him because he's kind of spotify's property for the last few years so i get it um the record what was it song of the year was like bonnie Raitt, which i've never even fucking heard of the song it was a complete joke uh, <laughs> i like that lizzo won i don't know i guess bonnie Raitt was record of the year and i think lizzo won song of the year which i think is that's cool the biggest thing i was fired up about which i was texting you guys is and I don't know why this got me so mad, but Turnstile was nominated for three Grammys and they lost all of them, which I don't get because they lost record of the year to Ozzy Osbourne, which is such bullshit. So stupid. And then they lost like rock performance and rock song to Brandy Carlisle, who's like a folk singer. Mm. And it's just so dumb to me because I know and I, I don't like to even talk about the Grammys because it is all bullshit. And I know that. And it is like a business and these are business people trying to run a business. But even when you think about it in that aspect, don't you want to attract new younger customers to watch the fucking thing? So then get turnstile instead of getting just like pandering to these (laughs) 65 year olds who still want Ozzy Osbourne to win an Oscar or a Grammy. Like it just doesn't none of it adds up to me at all. 
And that's that's what I was most fired up about was the I didn't think Harry's house deserved the win for album of the year, which who gives a fuck? That's fine. And then it just was the turnstile stuff because I was really hoping that they could pull something out, but they didn't. A lot of talk online has been about how Harry Styles like appeared very low energy throughout the ceremony. Mm -hmm. So like they cut to him in the audience a few times. To me, he like his whole thing, right? He's very cool. He like knows that he's a sex symbol and everything, but he appeared to me just like he did not want to talk that much. He was like very tight with his body, like was didn't seem super relaxed. At the end, he won album of the year and he like went up and hugged the fan that introduced him and stuff. Oh, the old woman. The yeah. old woman. And that was like very sweet. But <laughs> cool. his performance, like, and again, if I never hear as it was again, like I'll be very happy. But like the stroke his song is what's make that so funny to me. What? Like that uh, that song as it was is just a stroke song that's sung by a sexy young guy like yeah, the, everything a, about it is exactly yeah. like the stroke wow, and they didn't even know because they play they were playing a show somewhere and then at the end albert hammond jr is like do 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 just played that really? riff on the guitar just acknowledging that like yeah harry stole our fucking sound for the song <laughs> pretty much i mean and 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 it has that kind of feel of like early strokes like kind of catchiness 80s aha you know like earworm whatever pop but um yeah he just seemed like very low energy trevor noah was trying to do a bit with him and he like was not really engaging that much i thought his performance of the song again was like really low energy but yeah i'm right with i'm right there with you i, I mean like they did a whole tribute to hip-hop there are a lot of people in it that i was like who and there are a lot of people in it that i was like i oh, love that's that really, part for some reason oh, that's really cool but that, I felt like yeah. they were missing a lot of people. But yeah, it, that was like really high energy. It was so energy. ridiculous. Like, yeah, it's like people just kept coming out. Yeah, I think, it was like also think Trevor seconds. Noah is so beat. You do? Yeah. Yeah, he's just like, he's like, like Bad Bunny goes, he's like, oh, that makes Trump want to learn Spanish. And it's like, dude. Yeah, just what? not the kind of, I know. It's, it's funny. Because, way, watch like, my show. I have a political late night show. Yeah, it's not like anymore. the most he not left. funny joke. He le- well, yeah, I mean, I don't think he left. I think they kind of... <laughs> maybe squeezed him out i just like i'm i like would you go see him do stand-up like i don't know if i would i think he's I mean, very smart but like i don't think he's funny if that makes sense no I don't he's know. a really smart guy when he talks about issues and i'm like oh he's super he's like super well informed and knows everything about politics but yeah i was with you like wasn't making me laugh from my seat but anyway this is what's interesting about the music industry right is you've got these bands and you've got these artists like Adele and, you know, they receive a lot of critical acclaim and there they are at the Grammys. And then you've got these bands like Radiohead. Oh, gosh. And Radiohead is a band that we've been talking about now. And for the let past me tell you about Radiohead. A couple months. And let me tell you about Radiohead. We are now on their second to last album. This is episode number eight, right? This is episode oh, wait, number this eight. Is, so we only have one more? So yeah. it's this and then Moonshake oh. Pool, which is next yeah. week. Which is the one that Chris is apparently knows fucking back to front. It's yeah. pretty much my favorite album. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess the last thing on the Grammys is um, I was happy to see Kendrick get a couple, grab a couple uh, pieces. Oh, of his way. outfit was, I loved what he was wearing. <laughs> yeah. He's such a boss. All <laughs> yeah, right. Sorry. Let's switch it. did not perform, right? No. That would have been cool. I, love how, I so also many... love how the hard part five was the one that was nominated for a bunch of stuff. And that wasn't even an album track. I know. <laughs> Off, that's because that because that had the fun music video with his like that face shifting video. into different it was such yeah. a great video and it was great timing too that came out just like a couple of days after the will smith thing <laughs> i know yeah, yeah. <laughs> i know that was crazy that song is amazing but anyway um yeah radiohead. 
I was just going to say, yeah, Radiohead, right? I'm sure that, how many, do we know how many Grammys they've won? Has anybody looked that up? I can probably find it out for you. My guess is they've done very well. Again, I don't know if they've performed. They've definitely won the Mercury Prize a bunch of times too, right? I'm sure that they've won. They've won three three Grammys Grammys? or Mercury? They've won three Grammys, but they've been nominated 20 times. Holy shit. Wow. But that's probably like engineering and stuff, right? They won a- best alternative album for OK Computer. Oh wow! Okay. Pretty much every album was nominated for best alternative album, uh, and they also won for Kid A. Oh wow! Kid A won album of the year. Oh no no no! It was nominated. It, it won best alternative album, but it was nominated for album of the year as well. Okay, and then but then they won best so recording okay package okay for Amnesiac. Right. And they won best engineered album non classical Hand of the Thief. I'm sure. Yeah, that's like. Oh, yeah, Best rock performance five. by a duo or group with vocal. They're there nominated. <laughs> I watched the music video for They're There recently because I like that song. And the music video is very weird. I would recommend going to watch it. It's like Tom York, like walking through the woods, like uh, like Frankenstein's assistant, who I forget. What? Igor? Igor, like Igor. It was very Igory. But anyway, King of Limbs, guys. Wow. <laughs> I was sorry. One more thing on the awards. Would you believe that oh, they okay. didn't, they weren't shortlisted for the Mercury Prize for Kid A? Were they uh, shortlisted for OK Computer? They were shortlisted for OK Computer, Amnesiac, Hail to the Thief, In Rainbows, and a Moon Shaped Pool, but not Pablo the Benz, Kid A, or this piece of shit we're talking about today. I can't believe that. <laughs> That's wow. crazy. I can't believe that. But again, like, you know, there, there's no rhyme or reason to that. Like, I don't know who votes for this stuff. I was just reading about this woman who got nominated for an Academy Award, basically in a movie that nobody has seen except for like six people. Her name is Andrea Riseborough. And she got nominated for an Academy Award because she has a bunch of famous friends and a famous publicist who like did a bunch of screenings for her and I guess got enough of a word out on social media. And now she's nominated for an Oscar for a movie that no one has heard of or seen. It's just like, this stuff is so weird. We have no idea like what goes into the voting and how aggressively these artists campaign and who they know. But like, yeah, I mean, obviously there's so much that Radiohead does where you're like, Oh, of course they should be nominated for this. Cause it's so experimental and risk-taking and cool. Yeah. In addition to being good. Um, that's going to be us in like six months. People are going to like at the podcast awards, people are going to be like, and in a completely unknown podcast out of the Northeast <laughs> is taking the, 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 the awards by storm. That would be pretty cool. Not going to lie. That would be pretty cool. That'd be good. But uh, yeah. So listen, I, this is an interesting one. King of blooms. And uh, we did the elf. Should we address the elephant in the room? I broke the rules this week. It's okay. Yeah. I wanted to talk about this album with you guys, and and uh, you know, I I I I have some interesting feelings on it, Jake. I f- do feel like you should start off the discussion as somebody who I think had a, a strong reaction elicited from him upon listening to this album. I can I can get started. We're listening to Bloom right now, um, the opening track to King of Limbs. Um, I texted. We have a rule on this in this show where we don't. Um, talk about the records prior to hopping on the recording so when we hop on the hop on the mics it's all fresh information but i had broken the rule um this week um i had texted the fellas and i said uh king of limbs is absolute dog shit (laughs) 
Um, I, I dislike this album immensely. I think it's extremely boring. Uh, they take some risks that I believe are failures and also completely undeserved uh, and unearned, I guess. Um, the only highlight of the record for me is the way that the hi-hats are mixed on Morning Mr. Magpie. That's I, That strikes me as pretty cool. I think in Give Up the Ghost, where the acoustic guitar comes in, I want to jump off a building because I'm not a fan of acoustic guitars in rock records all the time unless you can do it well. And I think bands like Rolling Blackouts, Coastal Fever, that dude plays the acoustic guitar on every song the entire time, so I'm cool with that. But this record is like coming across as a uh, kid, a, like a kid A knockoff. And then mm. they just throw in a really shitty acoustic guitar and give up the ghost. And I'm just like throwing the AirPods out. Um, the, my best listen of this record was when I was at the gym uh, and I was listening to it and I was texting Chris um, about Tyler the Creator and I had my ringer on and every time the uh, Chris would shoot me a text my ringer would go off and then the volume of King of Limbs would go down which was pleasant for me. Um, I think AM is a better record than this album which is saying a lot. Um, and finally this sounds like this sounds like you told somebody about someone who was not a musician about Kid A, and then they tried to make it. Dude, do you Man. actually think AM is not good? Yes. I Charlie and I just had a discussion about this a couple weeks ago. We can dive into it if you want. I have... Um, no, I can explain okay. why I don't think it's good. That's all right. Well, I, I just <laughs> had to listen to the episode again. Um, I, know, I didn't, I didn't I really have it that... Like it. I didn't really have my theories that consolidated by the time that we did the episode they're much more mature and concise now um but I, I was explaining it to charlie a few weeks ago about how after the nets game we went to we went to we grabbed a drink and i, I was off on a rant about why i am it's not a good record so but again this album also not very good yeah i i i feel like of what you said um i think the thing that resonated most to me is that it kind of feels like a a, a poor man's um kid a yeah. a little bit like i think it definitely has the same vibe um it it like it started and i wasn't shocked that it was like this because i feel like after in rainbows especially there was so much groove and it was so accessible and it was so palatable that i'm not shocked that they went the other direction <clears throat> and kind of made like a stressful tense sample heavy weird record um i never in, i never felt good while listening to it uh but that's not you know unusual either uh for them um mm. yeah and like i remember how i said last time at least within rainbows like where i am with radiohead now they kind of cut out all of the parts of like the tom york kind of like drifty directionless weirdness that yeah. i found myself turned off by like i feel like this record they just like loaded it all back on <laughs> yeah they at did times so like yeah i agree it, it definitely wasn't my my favorite i i do like some of the sampling and some of the electronic work like i didn't hate the record like at times it kind of felt like a gorilla's record even like uh wow like kind of yeah. i kind of felt some similarities there Albeit, I think it's definitely a less interesting Gorillaz record. They're not really, they're not really comparable. You know, there's no like hip hop or anything on this, but like, um, you know, it felt sonically explorative like that. 
But yeah, it just feels like it didn't really reach the point that it was trying to reach, whatever it was. Um, but yeah, that said, I didn't, I didn't hate it. I, I feel like I, I slightly disliked it. I like so okay. Thank you, Chris. But I do want to point out the one thing I liked. We'll get back to that in a second. I like those hi hats. It sounds like it's bouncing back and forth. Yeah, yeah. That was the only shining light for me within this record. But Chris, um, I, I I I definitely see where you're coming from. I think I just had a more negative reaction to it. I don't know if that's because I expected something better and all right i wanted something more and then i or maybe i want because i think last week on the show i said that my prediction was that they were going to they reached the peak of experimentalism and stuff and they were going to flow back into kind of what was comfortable in the beginning mm. and i thought that that meant they were going to go for more of a benzy sound but they did go for a more of a kid a sound and i think it was a mess but i think i so i think that that combined and I was expecting it. I mean, I guess the other shining light is this record super short. <laughs> yeah, I liked that. I actually liked that. It it felt more, yeah, like that. That was a a, a shining, a silver lining to it for sure. Like even though I didn't, you can say shining enjoy, light too if you want. It was a it was a shining silver <laughs> light. Uh, but no, yeah, I think the fact that it was short, yeah, yeah was was helpful. Shining line, shining a shiny line. I wish all of their records were this short. Uh. But, yes. Yeah. I think yeah. another criticism I read, because I did do some Googling about this record just to see if I was crazy. Um, and I think those some things that people, I mean, I think it's generally regarded as their second worst album. I think people still think Pablo Honey, this is better than Pablo <laughs> Honey, um, which fine. It's neither here or there for me at this point. But um, people did say that the if you only have eight Radiohead songs and a few of them are clunkers, then that's not a good Radiohead record. So like, if this was the length of Hail to Thief, Hail to the Thief, maybe they would have been able to add a couple more good songs. But people were saying that this felt like it was all just filler, like all of the worst songs from all the previous records that you look over because there's other good songs. And then they're saying that the if this was longer, maybe it would have been better. But I mean, you could make this thing 45 seconds and I probably still wouldn't listen to it. But I yes. also, I have a sneaking suspicion that, and this is the last thing I'll say, sorry, Charlie, that... No. I think there's a whole, I'm going to try to make like a, a, a metaphoric type comparison here, but I almost feel like there's a language I don't understand about Radiohead that, that I, because I just haven't been a fan for that long, like the weirdness of them and the creepiness of them. Like I like the more accessible album I like in rainbows because it's the easiest to listen to. That has been my way in. And I feel like the weirder, more challenging stuff, I really haven't gotten gotten myself into yet and i feel like this could all be really appreciated by someone because it like yeah i don't know it is it's different some people really liked it in the reviews and some people found it more challenging but like I, I do think it's a very challenging record i think i'm just not there yet with them uh to appreciate something like this how many times did you listen to it like four yeah i probably still got six or seven and i still yeah was having trouble i Charlie. never wanted to put it on yeah yeah no, it was a chore it was a yeah. chore i fell asleep to it on a plane i was like i need to go to i need to take a nap that, on this flight yeah. i want to yeah and i want to hear about chicago you don't have to tell me right now and when i'm back in <laughs> chicago i feel it 
I love that song, man. I love that guy. That song's really good. I love that guy too. He rules Joe Keery. Yep. But uh, <laughs> I, I will talk about anything besides this record. So know, don't, don't get me it. off on a here's, tangent because I will continue thing, talking. About here's something <laughs> I will say, and I'm not. I, I I kind of agree like with every point that Chris made just now, and that like I didn't like it really. But like I didn't, I don't think I disliked it as much as you, Jake. But that might also just because like I'm used at this point. I feel like I'm used to like weird shit from Radiohead, and I'm like, this is more weird shit, you know? Like this is this checks out, you know? But I actually did like give up the ghost the most on this album, and I'll tell you why. Something about it to me was very. That was this was like a at least to me, and I'm not a audio engineer and i'm not as good of a musician as probably you guys and certainly most people who are actually musicians but i i did stop and i was like oh wow this is different from radiohead because that's just tom and an acoustic guitar and he loops his voice and to me it was like the rawest most intimate radiohead experience that i certainly found and another thing that i think was really interesting is when i was listening to it i was like oh i bet Jake and Chris will like this song because it reminded me of Bon Iver. <laughs> and like, okay. again, you may not agree with that, but like that kind of style of like, I pitched falsetto, like looping the voice, making kind of these percussive sounds with the guitar. Um, I really liked that track. And if you go to, I guess, I don't know if they do all their songs live from the basement, but on YouTube they have these concert versions of them doing the albums. They definitely have one for In Rainbows. It's called In Rainbows from the Basement. There's another one, King of Limbs from the Basement. And it's like oh, wow. a live recording of the song. That's cool. Excuse me, of the album. And they have two songs in there that I loved that were not on this album. One was called The Daily Mail and the other one was called Super Collider and they were both released as singles. And so I totally agree with you guys when you say that it felt like very slight and like a lot of filler tracks. And I almost feel like it was Radiohead announcing this transitional period in album form. Um, like they owed us nothing. They always feel like they owe us nothing. So we're gonna put like a very sample heavy, sonically ambient, you know, I got a lot of ambient from this album it was just kind of like, it like was in the background for me and it never like kind of sunk its talons into me. And I, these two songs that they play from the live from the basement recording of King of Limbs, I was like, why aren't these songs on the album? These songs are good. Um, but I guess that's why. Because <laughs> yeah. they're, so anyway, yeah, they're, they're pretty Yeah, because they're pretty good. And they're like, oh, this has got to be kind of a weird, inaccessible album. But yeah, I'm with you. Like, dark, didn't make me feel good. Very ambient. And I actually kind of like ambient music sometimes. Like, I really like you know, Portishead and Thievery Corporation and Massive Attack and like that kind of like trip hop genre. And like, it didn't really work for me at all here. And there's so much, and Chris, you're a drummer. Like there's so much off time that. drumming that like, I'm just like unsettled. I couldn't get into the beat. Um, and it was very electronic too. And so it didn't feel like a band. It felt a lot of like Tom experimenting. Yeah. I think a lot of the sampling is what, what, what resonated in terms of the, the gorillas comparison. For me, I think that's like like that early kind of creepy gorilla stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. It's interesting you mentioned like the trip hops because I've never attached, I've never really connected with bands like Massive Attack, and I still to this day I just don't really like them that much. 
And I think that's interesting. Maybe that's a reason why this album specifically was not, if you're making those comparisons, something that didn't really connect with me. I go back to something Chris said. This is what I love about these podcasts is like, I think about music when I think about these albums and my relationship to music and my approach to music. And so like for me, right, trip hop, which is also, there's tons of dumb genre names for it. Down tempo is another name. And you could like, you could put massive attack in both genres. I listen to them to calm down. Like I'm not mm. a super, super anxious person, but like I can get stressed easily if I have a deadline or like something I'm working on or like whatever. I, I'm, I'm somebody who very much likes to be in control and like have full command over my life and my faculties. And if I feel like something is out of my control and it's bothering me, I turn to that genre of music to like relax mm. or go to sleep. And this is like that genre of music, but none of the relaxing feelings that I like <laughs> from like a zero seven uh, or a, you know, whatever, Portishead or Massive Attack or Three Corporation, which is very soothing. It's meant to be the genre was kind of invented as like the music that you listen to, like while you're kind of chilling in between DJ sets or you're like coming down from a night out or whatever, you know? And so like this album, I just don't know who it's for. Like, I guess it's for people who are audiophiles mm -hmm. and really like wanna dig into the sounds that they're making and stuff. But like, that's not necessarily what I come to this type of music for, if that makes sense, mm. you know? Um, so anyway. Isn't totally, I totally agree with that, yeah. Isn't Banksy in Massive Attack? Isn't that what people are saying? Allegedly. I have no idea. Is that true? That's crazy. It's my favorite. That's my favorite theory about his identity. Um, Dude, I think that's like I have a, no idea. I, <laughs> wow. I think that's like I think that's like fairly confirmed. Yeah, that's like wow. the, that's definitely the most popular and probably most likely thing, right? But he's just a dude in the background. He's like one of the keyboard players or something. Like, yeah, I mean, I guess there's sure. no real frontman in that band. I've seen him live, and it, the whole stage was just dark. <laughs> that's so cool that you saw them. That's awesome. Yeah, it was just one of my buddies a few years ago had a ticket, and they played at like I think I guess King's Theater, which is a pretty sick. I mean, it's kind of a perfect spot to see Massive Attack, I would think. Mm. Sitting down and just in a big old theater with great acoustics. Yeah, man. I mean, that genre of music again. I would go and see them live, like that kind of you know Massive Attack, that kind of genre. But it's not necessarily what I go to them for, you know. Again, mm. if I want like a dynamic concert experience, I want songs that I can like sing along to, you know, um, you know, and so, yeah, I mean, again, I, I, I get it. So I go, people go to see jazz or why they go to see, you know, orchestras. It's like to elicit a feeling. Um, but yeah, mm. this album did not, this album did not work, did not work for me. And I knew it wouldn't too. Like, I, I had like read about it a little bit beforehand. I looked at the album cover. It's in between these two <laughs> albums that are like talked about all the time when you talk about Radiohead in like Moonshape Pool and, and Rainbows. And so it's like. Yeah, is there you know. any context that you guys came across that you find or found helpful? Through Barrymore's house, they recorded it at. I did, <laughs> I did <laughs> see that. Weird. Isn't that so <laughs> weird? Yeah, it's really weird. That does not feel. This, that does not that's feel the, like them. Where was she? Like, <laughs> that's what I never get about celebrities. It's like, how can you just stay at somebody's house for like six months? Like somebody, I, f I forget who it yeah. was, but somebody I knew or something. Not, maybe not. Oh, no. It was uh, 
Gambino, Childish Gambino, I just was pretending like I knew Donald Glover. Uh, he recorded uh, because of the internet at Chris Bosch's house. Wow. Oh, wow. Like, where? And I guess that was in LA in the Palisades or something, but I guess Chris Bosch was in Miami, like playing for the Heat. Like, I don't, I just never understand that stuff. I guess it's just a, another layer of like having eight, three different houses and. Yeah, celebrities, when you're rich enough, you like have huge houses and you hang out with other celebrities and they come over and they're like, this place would be great. It's inspiration strikes and then, you know, whatever. Something I read, did you read this, Jake? (laughs) To promote the retail release of The King of Limbs, they distributed a free newspaper called The Universal Sigh at independent record shops across the world. And there's a photo of Tom York looking like a newsboy on the Wikipedia page, oh, giving out this newspaper that I guess promotes the album. <laughs> it's what features, keeps me alive. It's what keeps me alive. And it features artwork, poetry, lyrics, and short stories. Like, they're just so weird. Innovative, but like so <laughs> he weird. He does look like a paperboy. Doesn't he? He looks, he's wearing yeah. like the paperboy hat. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's insane. Uh, we can all can become normal again. That was like the fucking <laughs> slogan in 2022. <laughs> Dude, I mean, really, like, yeah. And so another thing I'm reading, right, just again, important to contextualize this. Some, again, some people really, like Chris said, some people really loved the album. Um, it got a pretty good review in Pitchfork. Um, and uh, Robert Chris Gow uh, really liked it and gave it honorable mention. Um, but some felt the King of Limbs was less innovative, um, including uh, in the LA Times, Ann Powers wrote that the King of Limbs was a little too low-key, abstract, or doomy, and too similar to Radiohead's previous works. Yeah, I agree with the, those three descriptors. I mean, I found some of Dude. their previous stuff very doomy though like i found not in rainbows but like i definitely found amnesiac like doomy you know but i liked it more i guess i don't know it's weird it had more piano and this felt this like didn't feel as bandy to me or orchestra to me it was just very like in this tech techno kind of world and it didn't do any of the things that i like about that kind of electronic music agreed uh, we never introduced the show. We kind of just got into it, but welcome to uh, welcome to Exodus for a podcast. I'm Jake Demhovsky. I'm here with Charles Greenwald and Chris Calabrese. It's always no good video component, Chris. Yeah. But thank you for uh, we still Sorry, appreciate. I'm just, we appreciate I'm, the I'm wave. Look, yeah. I'm looking through all the awards that they've won internationally, and it's just it's interesting. They were nominated for it's got to be twenty Brit awards and never won. Uh, really? Wow. That's a very successful thing. in Denmark in the GAFA awards. Okay. Very successful over there. Their stuff would play well in the like northern, you know, Scandinavian countries where it's like dark for five hours a yeah. day in the wintertime. Scared of Krampus all day long. Yeah, that's right. I don't know if we said this before, but yeah, they haven't won a Mercury Prize. <clears throat> Which is crazy. crazy. Shortlisted for five. And I can't believe yeah. Kid A wasn't shortlisted. That's so wild to me. I can't believe that. Okay, I didn't know that it was around that long ago that the Mercury Prize started. It's, I think it started early '90s. Oh yeah, so like I, I can't love the Mercury okay Prize. I think it's a. Not. I think it's probably that's probably my favorite award 
music award that's given out. I think the shortlist every year is always incredible records. And I think yeah. the one who wins the Mercury Prize every year is always a great choice. And it's always an interesting choice, too. Like, not you're, the one that you... You're always on it, like, and recommending bands to me that I'd never heard of. And you're like, oh, they just got nominated for the Mercury Prize. Like, like Arlo Parks. I had never heard of her. Like, She's coming out with a new record this year. I can't wait. I didn't yeah. come out already. And then Lil Sims, I think, just came out with one at the end of last year, maybe. And she's won the Mercury Prize, yeah. I think. She's I mean, I have a trivia question at... for you guys. Oh, Ooh. go ahead. Is Radiohead in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? No. I don't think they are. Are they? No way. They were nominated and inducted in 2019. Wow. Good for them. Yeah, good How about job. That? Good on good on ya. Good they deserve to be. That's fun. I don't know. After after going the O and twenty at the Brit Awards. <laughs> and O and five at the Merc. Ooh boy. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. It's crazy. Mercury. It's, it's crazy looking at the Mercury Prize list and it's like these are all like Jake Demohofki's Jake Demohofki's favorite bands. I know. That shape like, the Mercury Prize short list shapes my my music <laughs> listening for the next year. It's like Idols, Fontaine's <laughs> DC, Porridge Radio, Sports Team. Arctic Monkeys would get not. They got shortlisted. Wet like leg. Too. Yeah. <laughs> Did they ever win? Uh, yeah, they won a couple times. I think they won for uh, uh, the first record, I think. I think they won for AM. No, oh, they God. didn't win for AM. They no won for whatever way. people say that, that I am. <laughs> you know who got nominated this year, Jake? Harry Styles. He did. He did get nominated. But By the way, because it's a fucking reputable award. Let me ask you guys this question, because this is a guy who I really actually would love to talk about for two minutes. What do you guys think of Sam Fender? Oh, you texted me about him. Recently. I texted you about him and you said he's the guy with the really sad backstory. And I had no idea. Did you read about it? It's insane. So sad. I it's mean, like I, I like him more now. Me too. And I think he's I think he's a really good guitar player. I think he's a great singer. Uh, he writes really good songs. I think he's super, super engaging. I think he's fucking really good. And then the backstory just makes it more like, holy shit. I think he's like a definitely like an a, a ascending talent. Like yeah. I hear his songs and I'm like, man, that guy's good. Like he's great, yeah. great singer, like writes these great songs about like youth culture and being young and that kind of quarter life existential crisis. And he reminds me of the war on drugs and the killers and like all these bands so, yeah, that kind of make definitely. you feel alive and like ready to kind of attack the world, you know? And uh, yeah, he's was listed. I'm looking at the Mercury prize. Um, I just, Lil know. Sims yeah. won. Lil Sims is very, very cool. My brother turned me on to her. She's amazing. Yeah, Lil Sims is really good. Um, don't know some of these other folks. I'll have to check them out. Which one got nominated? Like, I can tell you which ones to listen to. Which, Who else was on it? Oh, Fergus McCready. Gwenno. I didn't like that much. Gwenno, I didn't really like that much either. Jesse Buckley and Bernard Butler. That was Jesse yeah, Buckley is yeah. an actress. I had no idea that she was also a musician. Wow. Good for her. Um all actors want to be musicians. All musicians want to be actors. Joy Crooks. And then if you're both, then you're just obsessed with like chefs. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Pretty much, pretty much. Um, I, I I think there's been some good records that came out this year so far. I think Samia's record was really good. Uh, she just came out with a new one. I think the fucked up record is really good. I don't know if you listen to it, Chris. I'm a big fan of it. Um, yeah, I, I liked it. The band I, I've never heard of them before, but this is their fourth record. That a band called Young Fathers. 
They, I think I said you that, Chris. Yeah, they, they, yeah. I think they won the Mercury Prize on their first or second record years ago. Um, but that was really good. Um, and then that other British band. Uh, oh, I'm forgetting the name. They just came out with a record called Gigi's Recovery. Oh, Murder Capital. Oh yeah, 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 that was very good. Oh, and then the other music thing I wanted to bring. Sorry, I'm talk. I literally talked about anything besides Radiohead this episode. I but think I we're listening- done with King of Limbs. I mean, yeah. I mean, I was listening to Twenty Dollars last night from uh, by Boy Genius. That song is in seven eight. <laughs> wow. Oh really? And then it switches every like in the chorus. I think it maybe does a couple measures of seven eight, and then there's one of five eight. Like it's in such a crazy because <laughs> it's like ding 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 ding. Din 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 din. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's one, two, three, one, two, three, one, that one. That song two. is awesome. Yeah, it's a good song. I love when Phoebe's just screaming at the end. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, Julian tends to be my least favorite of the of the gang. So that was cool there. In terms of the, her performance in the band or her solo stuff? Both. Yeah. I think Lucy's Both, probably yeah. my least favorite. I oh, just listened dude. to her second or her third record, the new one uh last week and yeah that that one's all right but historian is an all-timer historian's good and the first song in historian whatever that super long one you've got a nine to five that's night like shift, one of the yeah. best yeah night shift is like one of the best songs ever it's so yeah. good i'm a big fan of julian baker though but really only that record turn out the lights i didn't really like her one that she came out with um after that her Tokyo third something yeah her third record but it, bridgers is is two for two she both of those records fucking slap <laughs> yeah yeah stranger in the alps and was the second one called punisher the album is intense man yeah she's, i've only listened to punisher of... like a handful of times because i just don't know when it's a heavy get, record but it's that. good yeah she's yeah, got a lot of yeah. side projects which i think is very cool yeah better better oblivion community center i thought that record was really good all the boy genius stuff she's done she's featured on everything now she was on the SZA record wasn't she yes which yeah. is insane she's like and she does stuff up. with taylor swift now like she's just everywhere yeah exactly speaking she's of opening. you mentioned bonnie Vare before that's the guy I'm, I'm unfamiliar he that's the guy who's who was featured on that one the two taylor swift songs right yes I, I don't know that much about him he's a volcano choir guy it's mainly oh i love volcano choir that oh and then oh wait you're right because then volcano choir took that song that that amazing volcano choir song woods and made a shitty version of it right that's mm. kind of how i know his work <laughs> yeah i did yeah. i literally called him bon iver for a lot such a long time and it just gave away like what i knew about him as a musician but i respect he's kind of like a radiohead to me in that like i like love some of his stuff other stuff of his i like find inscrutable but like in general, I respect him a great deal for being like a singular voice in music. So I just thought of him when I was listening to that song because I was like, it kind of reminded me of each other in that moment. You know what I mean? I think I really, really, really like every single Bonnie Bear song. I think Everyone. I honestly think I do too. I don't think I can't <laughs> think it. Uh, there's one. I think it's called Team. Uh, I think it's either on the first or second record, which I find it would which is like a six out of ten, maybe. But that is by far the worst song. And there's no lyrics, it's just the it. one that's like dun 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 dun. Oh, oh, oh. It's like a yeah, lead well, into the song. That, that doesn't count, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the, and the other record that I like this year, the uh, the Little Yachty re- record. Did you guys listen to that one? No. <laughs> I fucking like it. It's really good. Chuck, you got to listen to it. Yeah, you got to. It's psych rock. He made a psych rock record. 
I will it's definitely check it. It's, it's it's almost a co- like a carbon copy of Dark Side of the Moon. Yeah, it's really it's funny. Fun. <laughs> it's, but it's, it's a rap fun, album. man. It's fun. Yeah, it, it, it's, and he it's does cool. his like famous <laughs> thing all the time, where he does that like the auto tuned like, like warbly voice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So funny. I texted my brother about it today and he sent me a picture of uh Oh dude, I feel like your brother would love that record. He he liked his first record, but he sold he sent me a picture of uh Yachty's uh he he has a a, a frozen pizza brand that they sell at Walmart. <laughs> wow. He debuted yeah. the record at uh Liberty Science Center, you know, about five Up minutes. Up in away North from Jersey, yeah. That's Jersey fun. City. That's cool. Yeah, should have went. At the planetarium. He was in a uh, a Kanye uh, fashion show before he made it famous. Oh wow! Because that was when he had like the red braids, and Kanye just I guess thought he had a good look. <laughs> good for him. Yeah. How do you guys feel uh, about uh, doing Fandometer? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I can uh, take the leap first. Didn't move. Didn't budge for me. But I felt more you didn't empowered go lower. in my decision. You didn't go lower. Yeah. I felt like as a 75, I could make a decision as a Radiohead fan that I did not favor this record. And that was mm. that was different. But I'm still, yeah, I'm still at a 75. Holding strong at a 75. All right. Greenwald, where are you? I, again, don't know what my number is. So what is <laughs> Chuck, number? where would you guess? Here's a fun question. Where would you guess that you are? <laughs> I think my number is like at 85. Yeah, spot on. Okay, great. So for me, <laughs> I'm also like, I, again, this is the song playing now is the one that I liked the most from this mm-hmm. album. Uh, again, there were a couple singles that I really dug, but were not included. And so as it pertains specifically to this album, I did not move forward on it. Um, and in fact, I I guess again I we all have different interpretations of the fandometer, but like I would even go backwards. <laughs> I would go backwards to eighty because like this not only didn't add it like took away from my like of Radiohead this album. It was like sad and moody, and I'm never going to return to it again, except for maybe oh, this yeah. song which I liked. So, yeah, yeah, I'll probably like, never listen to it again. Uh, well, I don't know. We'll see. Like this is this is Pablo Honey. It's like the same thing to me. It's like I'll never go back to this album. There's nothing on it for me except for one song, which I thought was really cool and interesting, but like probably won't listen to that much going forward. Come compared to In Rainbows and the Benz and OK Computer, which were just filled with songs that I loved, you know. So I would go back to an eighty, I think. But I'm hoping right. to leap leap forward again with a moonshape pool which i've listened to the first song on moonshape pool and man <laughs> we heard it at the radiohead orchestra we did concert. what was it burn the witch burn the witch yeah that song man strong feelings on so that cool song. right well because so charlie cool. has the strange habit of listening to the first song of the following I like record. <laughs> it's I a like dumb habit move. but i kind of like <laughs> knowing like what i'm in for you know i like that move yeah Jake, um, what number were you at? Do you remember? 87. Nice. Um, look, man, I, I'm... I'm... <laughs> uh, this is interesting. Is he going to stay or is he going to go back? I think should he's going to Should I go Listen, Radiohead, I love you. It was different. It was sexy. I'm going back. 
I'm going. I'm dropping back. Uh, Thank you. And it was. I mean, the dropping back was uh, the easiest decision I had to make. the The true decision was: should I drop back to a 75 or to an 80? Um, and I think I'm gonna. My original thought was to drop back to an 80, and I'm gonna stick with that. So I'm going back to an 80. See, I think this is almost correction because I think. I, th- I think I was hyped I up. After guys, a couple of I think you guys <laughs> throttled a little too hard. And I think it seems like, I don't right, really right. understand what this is. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. It's not your fault. I think it's just a kind of. A, I think a, my a... question was always: Is it completely <laughs> additive? So, like, even if I loved every single record ten out of ten, after Pablo Honey is the max I can be in eleven. And then once we get to the bends, is the max I can be at 22. And then after we listen to OK Computer, is the max no, I can be at No, 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 no. Or is it like where you stand now? It's just how much you're a fan. <laughs> see, that, does, that doesn't help me. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to see if anyone understands the phenomenon. When this yeah. Podcast. Or even I how to pronounce to it. Yeah. Or I can my it. first. I want to know my first definition of it. <laughs> and how it's changed over the, over the months. It's going to be one thing I do know is that Denise is a hard 50 still. She's on the list. Yeah, I, t- I was, I was, uh, I talked to her yesterday and uh, it didn't seem like she had listened to any more Radiohead since. Okay. The show. Okay. Um, hmm. I think, Charlie, she took the route that, um, that you, you, she, you, you had sent her a text around 11 30 p.m. after the, the episode wrapped up. <laughs> I did. And I said that I said, you know, that's actually early for Chuck. A lot of times he'll respond to a text message text message from me 1 30, 1 45 in the morning. Um <laughs> and she I think she listened to the Coldplay songs, but it did not there was no indication that she's listened to Hail to the Thief or in Rainbows or anything since the recording. Interesting. That's very interesting. Which I talked to Talk her once, night once or twice a week, so then I will I'll I'll follow up again maybe once or twice before the well actually we're doing next we're doing Moonshape Pool next week. Am I wrong? Yeah, next week. Yeah. On Valentine's Day. Oh. The day before Valentine's day, day. before, day before, day before. Wait, when is it? Monday? Okay. We could push it a week, too. Yeah, I might have to. Be, my, my band's playing a show next Friday, and I think we're, we might have to practice that night. Oh, shit. Okay, well, yeah. I'll figure it out. Yeah, if you can't make it, we'll move it to another night. It's no big deal. You guys are playing the Lower East Side, right? Yeah, the Delancey, it's called. Where's that? On Delancey, I'm going to guess? I'm actually not sure. Yeah, I think maybe Delancey and House. I'm bummed. I'm going to be in uh, uh, Nashville next Friday. Or on oh, the nice! Wow, you're like seeing the seeing the country. Yeah, my girlfriend got a little jealous that I went to Chicago by myself for work, not for fun. Um, <laughs> and then she was like, "Well, I want to take a trip." <laughs> so now, we're... and she's like, "Let's go to Portland, Maine. Let's go to Boston. Let's go to Toronto." I'm like, "Let's go to Montreal." I'm like. It's fucking February, dude. I'm not going any more north than New York. So I was like, we'll go. Let's go to Nashville, and that's a good choice. Nice. So that one's just for pleasure. Yes. That's gonna be really fun. You gonna go to Third Man? I've been to Third Man before. I was in Nashville overnight a few years ago. I was like driving back oh. from New Orleans, uh, back to Jersey, and I stayed in Nashville overnight. And I went to the Johnny Cash Museum, and then oh. I went to Third Man, and then I kept driving. But I think this. Well, I'm happy to do both of those again. Third Man was cool. Maybe I'll record a song in the booth. Do they? Still yeah, have the... I was gonna say you should do it. Yeah, I, I just because I feel like you would actually sound really cool on that. Do they have like a guitar in there? Yeah. 
right, maybe you I should do that. You can just go <laughs> yeah. and like sing. Yeah, it's like it's it's a, booth. a phone booth. It's a phone booth that prints directly to vinyl record. Yeah. Wow. So you like put a dollar in, and you just get a little vinyl record of yourself. It's really cool. Real sick. But it's broken a lot. So. Well, that sounds problem. awesome. All right. But well, then listen. it's broken all the time. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, you got to um, do that. There's a lot of good stuff to do in Nashville. I mean, you're gonna. Hey, White cool Stripes uh, on the the. I don't even know how the Rock Hall works, but they're on like the short list for nominees. Oh, they're in the yeah they yeah. I don't. I uh, true. Oh, I cool. actually don't know. I was about to correct you, but I actually don't know how it works either. I was gonna say there's classes, which there is. You'd be sick if they performed. Do you think they would perform? No. The White Stripes. No, no, fucking <laughs> yeah. no fucking I don't know, dude. No way. Jack's probably down. Jack would well. Jack's maybe Jack, but I don't. Know. He'll do a. He'll do like a completely off, different key acoustic version of some weird play with, white stripe what, song. What's that band, the Hornets or something that he plays with? He's got two backing bands, right? The Hornets. Yeah, that sounds. I don't great. think it's the Hornets. It can't be. That's a crazy know. name. I love the drummer. Doesn't he like? He's like. Yeah, it stands like, up a lot. Yeah. I forgot it's a podcast. It doesn't really play if I jump up and down. Yeah, Jake. <laughs> we Jake heard the sound just, effects. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. there was some noise. Definitely works right. for me. Well, uh, let's moon let's moon shape this mf -er. All right, I think we're we might be under an hour or just at an hour, which has yeah. been a while since we got under an hour. Perfect. We were hitting we were hitting hour fifteen for a bit. That's long. <laughs> I think our next episode, which is our last, will be a nice will be a nice fat episode where we kind of reflect on our journey and dissect yeah. the final album. And then we're gonna re-record the intro. I can't wait to re-record the intro. Oh That's yeah, we do have fun. to do that too. Re-record. It's gonna be intro. fun. Yes. Five because to ten we, minutes uh, yeah. of like a, of overdoing the redoing the intro. What do we use as the theme song? I mean, we can go all this in the next episode. We use the we talking head song. For the original. So we go back to the talking head song. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, or maybe I'll just throw in some like a random one, like a Bowie song, like Heroes, something. Sure. Young, I'll do, maybe do the, Young Americans. Don't don't do scenes from an Italian restaurant. We learned that lesson. <laughs> <laughs> I still have not. I don't think I know that song, and I also didn't listen to the episode. I just pushed it back. Well, you don't know like, that yeah, song. I can't think of what it sounds like. Would we have ever played that on the? You definitely know episode? that song. Yes, we would have played it on the episode. Yeah. God, UMG yeah, is on my ass about this stuff, dude. <laughs> like dude. it's oh. I'm sure you've heard the song. I, I it's like one of his Billy Joel's most famous. All right. I, I probably know red. Oh, that one. White. We yeah, would have yeah. played that on the episode? Yeah, because I feel like that fits into the vibe of Tranquility Base Hotel and Casino. Like in like some funny way. I could see that coming up. Mm. Yeah. yeah. All right. I, yeah, like I guess I, I didn't put that together. Yeah, no. We never do. We never recorded a uh, uh, episode about the car, and we also did not do our albums of the year for 2022. I would talk. I would definitely do album of the year 2022. But I neither of you guys like to, the car. I have no I much, love, nothing to say about the car. I think it's great. That album rocks. I really haven't listened to it. It's very much. good. Very very good. Huh. My thing that I my thing I've been saying it's 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 favorite worst nightmare is how you have to think about it. Because if you think oh. about like the way that the band works is when they made whatever people say I am, they had no idea how to fucking make a record at all, a rock record at all. And they just threw shit at the wall and it somehow worked. 
And then when Favorite Worst Nightmare came, they had that exact sound, but it was super refined. And they're like, okay, now we know how to make a rock record that is good and can sell. And then since then they experimented with, you know, Humbug was a different direction. Suck and C was a different direction. AM was a different direction, all that stuff. They bounced around. And then Tranquility Base was a super different direction. But then the car is not a departure from Tranquility Base at all. It's the same thing as Favorite Worst Nightmare where the um, Tranquility Base was them being like, this is this club kind of like, smoky mm. lounge music that we don't really know what to do so we're just going to try it and then the car is them saying okay we learned the, all the mistakes that are to be made when making a lounge record so here's the better version of it here's the clean not better but here's the cleaner tighter smoother shorter mm. like cleaner version of it and that's cool. how i'm okay. thinking about it and that's kind of why i've been enjoying it. it's a much like it's a more mature kind of interesting it's a, it's still concepty but not as concepty as tranquility base yeah, tranquility I think it's good. Too, I, too concepty. I enjoy it a lot. Cool. That's awesome. Spin. Yeah, it's a great analysis, and uh, definitely, maybe I'll I'll give it a revisit. And it's super um, like, and it's it helps to have a sense of humor because half the time when Alex Turner is playing the guitar, he's using this like fucking whammy pedal, and it's just you just or like a wah pedal, and you just gotta like, it's like <laughs> you just gotta like, <laughs> this guy knows that this is a fucking joke what he's doing. <laughs> I like bands with a sense of humor, so I'll definitely revisit it. Because um, Tranquility Bass was uh, a hilarious record. Like listening hilarious. to it now, some of the lines are so funny. Hilarious! It was great. I, I, the car made me go back, and I was like, "God, Tranquility's so great <laughs> compared to the car." I mean, not, not again. I have to listen to the car again. But I was, I, I liked that. There's a lot of like fat bass lines and like you know, goofiness mm-hmm. to that album that like at the time I was like, no, it's not AM part two. Yeah. And again, you know how <laughs> I feel about AM, but like, then I got into it and I was like, all right. And it sounded way better live. Um, oh, it sounds Frank, great live. Tranquility did. Albert Hall. Oh yeah. And so anyway, now I'm, now I'm, uh, I'll, I'll re-listen to the car. I'll give it another shot. You've convinced me. It's good. And Helders is having a little bit more fun. He was very restrained on, Uh, Mm. he's incredible and is like such a secret weapon of that band i think especially early on not even that band anymore dude he's a secret weapon like for josh holmes (laughs) which is Oh, fuck, I lost it. I That's pretty it. good. Pretty good. Oh, yeah. All right. We're done. <laughs> All right. Listen, great episode. Not a great album, but fuck it. Moving on. <laughs> we- Moonshade Pool. And you want me to kick it to the week out the following week? Uh, can I confirm this week? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty flexible until the end of the month. So, like, we can do our final episode whenever i've got a couple things but but i go to florida in two two and a half weeks before anytime before that works for me yeah all right cool all right guys have a great night all right boys sweet have a good one thank boys thank you thank you great talking great talking